0: Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Calgary. This hour brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop shop. For the best plants, trees, pots, and decor, and the greenest grass, spruce it up, green it up, prune it up—they've got you covered. Frank Saravalli near the bottom of the hour as we get into hour number two. Our NHL insider four series open up last night. Four more tonight. We are in a Adnan Verk hour three. He has—we're uh, going to Adnan a little bit early today. He's got some very, uh, very important guy. Oh, is that right?
1: Very important. I'm busy, yeah. busy. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything we can do to help? No, no sweat on you. They can handle that. That's-
0: I'll do whatever. I don't. Yeah, sure.
1: As long as you know, get
0: out of here at the same time. Yeah, we won't make. I'm not staying late for that. No, late puck drop tonight. Yeah, you no, know, no, no. You no, got to no, get no, your no, nap no, in. No, Let's go. Stephen Brunt joins us back from a hiatus. I'm going to call it. I'm not going to pry, Stephen. It's not. It's none of my business what you do. I'd uh, like to pry. Can we pry? Would you? Okay. Well, okay. We're going to pry. What the hell, Stephen? Stephen, where were, where we? were you?
2: Well, I, I've been uh various places. Um I was recreationally I was away uh fishing, um on the uh the beautiful island of Abaco, which is in the northern Bahamas. So mm. that was that was very, very, very nice. And then uh got home from there and changed my clothes and went right back to the airport and flew up to Vancouver to uh, shoot a, a sit down and a long uh, and fantastic sit down with John Herdman, the coach of Canada's national team. So yeah, so that that was very cool and um, very excited about about that. I'm not uh, when, when I know about what the rollout is going to be. I'll, I'll I will not keep it secret. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I and the other and the bonus is that I've spent a lot of time in Canadian airports in the last seventy two hours. And you know what? That's a really crappy place to be right now. Mm. Just. A, I not like that. again first world problems. I get it. Uh, speaking from a position of privilege, I get it. I'm traveling; it's great. But man, oh man, what a mess! What yeah. a mess! Stuff is right now. So yeah, be forewarned. Go early. Don't expect to get home at any time when you thought you were going to get home. I I got home. Well, it was it was this morning, um, mm-hmm. and then very quick turnaround because I'm at the Sportsnet World headquarters today to be part of the broadcast of the Guy Lafleur state funeral this morning.
1: So I I guess before we move there, Herdman would be a rather popular uh, request these days from media types. Are you getting the sense of the the magnitude of what he's achieved and maybe how his star has risen in the last uh, year or two?
2: Oh yeah, no, it's for sure. And I, and it's interesting that he's, you know, kind of trying to get down to business now in terms of looking ahead to the the next games that they play in june but in a, obviously ahead to november to the world cup um so he's trying to i'm not sure how much media he's going to do in the next few months but um yeah he is he is a very popular guy and the interesting thing to me is a lot of the requests are coming from england and um that's because he's a, he's a great story right mm-hmm. uh, he's among other things he you know grew up in a little town in the north of england not you know not far from newcastle and He never played the game at a super high level. He's, you know, not a former Premier League player or anything like that. And uh, he's got a great story, you know, and making the move from the women's game to the men's game—that almost never happens. And uh, then gets Canada to the World Cup. So, yeah, he's getting a lot of attention back home. Which, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what his career path is whenever he's done with Canada's men's national team. Uh, I. I kind of, I kind of think he's punched his ticket to something else down mm. the road.
1: Does he have the patience to wait through 2026 when they co-host with Mexico and USA?
2: I think he, yeah, I think that's the plan. Um, you know, I think that's the plan. But I, as with all things in Canadian soccer, and uh, you know, I, I, like I know people kind of get tired of hearing this, but I, I, you know that this, the, this obviously it's a triumph getting to Qatar and playing in this World Cup, and a huge amount of money is going to flow into the organization, the Canadian Soccer Association, was from FIFA because of that. But like I like I've been talking to people in the Canadian soccer world for a lot of years, and, and they always you know, talk about structural stuff and funding and you know being properly prepared and you know being able to the you know, men's team and the women's team is you know is the organization kind of up to it and uh, I again I think the plan is certainly for John to be there through through the co-hosting the World Cup, but you know look like I I think everybody involved kind of is kind of wait and see. What Canada does with this newfound prosperity um, and whether they're up to it, the, the, whether the CSA is up to this, because, you know, they've, you know the, this is, they're in a different they're about to enter into a very different world and they they've never been there. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're going to commit to the program, you kind of want to you'd, you'd want to know what the plans are.
0: A couple of Maple Leafs had a big night last night. I don't know if you caught that.
2: Is that correct? Is that correct? Yeah. Is that correct? I, I, no, I, no, I missed that. Yeah. I, 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 it's, it's been kind of quiet here, so they've, nobody's talking about it.
1: Yeah. Problems are over, and uh, <laughs> everyone can just relax now. Everything's been solved. No problem.
2: That's, That's what I'm told. Yeah. I'm... Not not just that, but they they met the physical challenge, met the violence, the challenge of unchecked, unmitigated violence, and still since stood up and were the, were the bullies last night That's as well. That's right. Uh, Yeah, so much excitement.
0: You know what? And I don't have any skin in the game. I just felt the way Mitch Marner took, it felt like he took a lot of it last year. And what is it, 18, 19 games he went without scoring in the postseason. That's going to happen, Mm -hmm. especially when it runs as hot as it does and the team's failing in the playoffs. I was kind of happy for him. I I, I like Matthews as well. I got no reason to, to dislike him. I like watching him score. It's an exciting guy to watch. But for them to do that in game number one, erase all of that. Those, it's now over unless they go extremely quiet now the rest of the way. But I was thinking we're kind of in that same spot here, maybe to a lesser extent. Johnny Gaudreau, there's, there will be some questions. Mm-hmm. He's kind of worn the the failings of the team. I guess his, is there any is there anyone that stands out? Because I remember in Detroit, Datsuk and Zetterberg, they couldn't win. Until they won. And Alex Ovechkin, well, this guy can't Uh win until he won. There have been some, Dan Marino is a guy that never won. But is there one that stands out to you where it's like, I'm happy for that guy to shed the loser name tag and finally prove that, yeah, it's, it's hard to win and I am good enough to win. I just didn't yet
2: at that point yeah you know and it's never on the guy right like it, like yeah it, look it's 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 it, 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 it's not unfair to note that mitch marner had trouble scoring in playoff games because and you know you attach that to the playoff failures of the team in general and, um and then i think what the unfair part is then people kind of say and look what he's getting paid right look at his contract how mm-hmm. can he and and like it's it's never a player it's never a player's fault what he's getting paid like that somebody else made that decision they um, have their own free will, so I, I always say, you know, don't hang the contract over the guy. Um, and it, 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 it's a tricky one because you know it's, these are teams. You're talking about team achievements versus individual achievements. Like Dan Marino is a you know Hall of Fame quarterback who didn't play on a team that could win the Super Bowl. Um, I guess part of that's his fault. You know, um, Mike drought is one of the greatest baseball players in history, mm. playing on a baseball team that doesn't he doesn't seem to ever get to the playoffs and I'm not sure that's on him um, because he's put up all those great seasons. So it's, but I'd look, at, again, it's natural. And, uh, you know, I, the, 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 I guess the, here's one thing I've learned by being a sports writer for a long, long, for, for a long, long time. Do not ever uh, put too much on the f- results of game one in a best of uh, seven series because I've done it. I've made that mistake a million times saying, there we go it's all changed. The culture has changed. The the narrative has changed. The underachieving team has done this, or the underdog has knocked off the big favorite or the big favorite has rolled the underdog. And look, they're just going to steamroller them now. And sometimes that's true, but it's kind of, I think there's a lot of fool's gold in game ones. So we'll see, uh, where this is headed that, you know, that was obviously pretty definitive last night against a team. That's, you know, kind of good. Um, but there's, there's a long, you still got to win four. There's your, the cliche of the morning. You've know, mm. you, you still got you to win four. And we'll see. Like This thing could turn completely if the Leafs lose game two at home. And uh, that, th- then the, all the same old stuff will come out.
1: Dean informed me this morning that a team's not in trouble until they lose on home ice. So no is trouble that right? yet.
2: Yeah. So is that, just, that's right. That's I got to write. Can I write that one down too? Yes. Yes. That please was, take that. Use that.
1: I was trying to
0: buoy the spirits of oiler uh, fans.
2: That oh, he, you, you you Sorry. can
0: lose game one and that's fine. Just you know until you lose on home ice. Uh, only then is it uh, is it trouble. But that was
2: on. How home many home how, ice. How, how many I playoff games in a row have they lost now? Like that.
1: I think they're one and eight. If you stretch yeah. back to the playing bubble, which was in their building. Yeah, they lost right. in four to yeah. Chicago, uh, and then they got swept by the Jets last year, and then won there. So one and eight in their last nine playoff games. Uh,
2: mm, it kind of feels like a trend, doesn't it? But um, but again, you know that could all change.
1: I was
0: looking at the list. Uh, Dallas obviously in town to play Calgary tonight. Joe Pavelski has one hundred and sixty-one playoff games without a Stanley Cup. There's a few ahead of him. Adam Oates played one sixty-three and didn't win. Mm-hmm. Stumpy. Steve Thomas 174. Dale mm-hmm. Hunter with the caps and others uh 186. Joe Thornton 186 no. and Patrick Marlowe 195. So Marlowe atop that list. He is done. Joe Thornton, though, has I would think one last opportunity to do it and maybe his best on this Florida team. Uh do you view Thornton as less of a player because he's because he was a first overall pick. He was a big deal when he came in, had a tremendous career, has played forever, and and now basically is the the highest number of games in the postseason without a cup. Is Thornton like that Ray Bork kind of a feel, or not so much?
2: I, we went through that all here with him last year with the Leafs, right? That yeah, was, yeah. You know, they, you know, they brought him in, and it was all sentimental, and he was going to win a cup with the Leafs, and, and, you know, and, and at the beginning of the season, he looked pretty good and then as the season went on he looked slower and older and older and slower and to the point where he was almost unplayable and um you know by the end of the year there was no well there wasn't much sentimental stuff around the team anyway because of the way the accident but there certainly wasn't much sentimental stuff around Thornton by the end of the year he's you know he's in a great spot now because they've got a real shot in Florida that that's a really good team um and you know to some degree there's like well there's no like do you think anybody's in Florida's talking about is Joe Thornton finally getting a cup. Like I, I don't think they talk about hockey much anyway, but it, you know, like it's 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 a it's a kind of pressure for him in a lot of ways for him. I would think.
1: Yeah, they were talking uh, about the rapper grinding in the suite with. Uh, yeah, that, that was more topical was than Joe deal. Thornton. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Kodak Black. Kodak Black. Yeah, there yeah. you are. Yeah, of course.
2: That's yeah. So there's that. So that may be more front of mind, but. You know, like it's funny, you mentioned like two of the guys you mentioned on that list were both guys who got sucked into the San Jose Sharks vortex, right? It's true. You know, Mar- Marlowe and den Thornton, like, mm. uh, like, you, you, you want to explain their you know, lack of a cup? It's like 90% of the story is what in the hell happened in San Jose. And I, you know, that, and I think that was bigger than them.
0: And if he does fail to win it, mm. those, it is interesting that those would be the top two Thornton and Marlowe. And, how many times have we heard that they were the guys that couldn't get it done in San Jose? Got to one cup, didn't win. It's mm-hmm. it's damning, I guess. It's unfortunate in a way. It, it it doesn't mean you're less of a player.
1: But the other thing too is that like, look, we're now in a 32 team league. There's going to be a lot of superstars that finish careers without cups. That 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 it has been the outlier, but it won't be anymore. Like Jerome McGinley yeah. was a dominant force and the best player in the sport for a time. No ring. That was, and that's pretty rare. He's a Hall of Famer that didn't get a ring. I think it's going to become really common, just by the numbers, parity, the cap.
2: Yeah, that's a great point, Ryan. Like, it, it, and it's you know, I know it's a hundred percent true. Um, you know, bigger league, same number of operations. Unless they, you know, again, unless they tweak the playoff system at some point, which I think is not out of the question, not for competitive reasons, but for money reasons. Like, more playoff revenue is better for everybody. So there may be. There may be a play. I, I, I think a play-in is is on the horizon. Some kind of a play-in uh, format like they have in the NBA. But um, yeah, I, I, I think the biggest part of that is, um, you know, is, is, in a, is in a cap league. Like uh, the, the, there's there's an, a, there's a tremendous amount of parity, and yeah, I guess that means there's more opportunity for more teams. But I, yeah, I think it's entirely possible you could play out a good, long, healthy career in the NHL and never get a sniff now.
0: Bit of a curveball. Stephen Brunt with us here uh, on the program. I see that it was another uh, nearly packed house in Oakland last night, 2,488 to watch the Athletics play the Tampa Rays. They sell off, we, we talked about, they sell off good players. They find a way to compete, and then when the unknowns become knowns and become good, they sell them off. What's happening in Oakland? Because we keep hearing... Uh, maybe we'd go to Vegas. Hey, Vegas! Would you support a uh, Major League Baseball team? What's the long? What's your vibe on the long-term viability there in Oakland?
2: Well, it's a stadium issue, and you know, unless you get a stadium built, that stadium is not really suited for anything, and it's you know, it's turned into a political, big political, as you can imagine, a political situation in Oakland about whether they're going to ante up to build a downtown stadium for the for the A's. It looks right now; it looks like that's not going to happen. Um, but I think the other thing is, you know, like it, it's, it's all well and good to talk about, you know, the old oh, the you know, the A's always find a way and Moneyball and Billy Bean. And aren't they smarter than everybody? And, you know, then the next iteration of that, of course, was Tampa. And Look, they're always in the postseason. They don't spend any money. Aren't they smarter than everybody? But, you know, if you don't deliver at a certain point, um, I, you know, look, Tampa doesn't draw anybody. And, you know, part of that's a stadium issue. Um, but the reason they were talking, you know, the reason the owner wanted to play half his games in Montreal is because they don't draw, even though they've been in the postseason every year for a long, long time, and they've gotten close. But I think that's, you know, that cycle of the perpetual teardown, as much as it's kind of, you know, you can kind of make an intellectual argument for it. Um, you know, being a fan is not an intellectual exercise, right? It's an emotional exercise. You want to win. And, you know, when you've got a chance to win, you want your owner to double down and triple down and say, well, you know, I want to win as badly as you do. And if you know you're always kind of having the rug pulled out from under you, I think it eventually it, it's 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 you know it's taken time, um, but it, it it just kind of wrecks it. Like you're not you're not willing to take the bait anymore. And I think that's a big part of what's happened in Oakland. That yeah, it wasn't it great that they made all those postseason appearances with a low payroll, but. You know, are you really happier when Marcus Simeon's playing for somebody else? Are you okay with that, or Matt Chapman, or you know, take your pick of all the guys who have left Olson, there in the last wow. two years? Olson, yeah. Like, I, I just, I, I, think it just breeds cynicism. It's like what's happening in Cincinnati right now. Like, look at that situation where, you know, like that's a great baseball town, and they have a lovely, you know, new old-fashioned, newish old-fashioned ballpark, and you know, the owner just kind of rubbed the fans' noses in it. And they're like, why would you possibly buy a ticket? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't care how big a baseball fan you are. Why, why would you support that?
0: Yeah, the owner but basically think, said, uh, yeah. "What, uh, what else is there to do in Cincinnati? You like baseball, you're coming to games. If you don't like it, then don't come. Or where else are you going to go? Yeah, uh, we got yeah. you. Basically, not really, uh, yeah, not really enticing for fans,
2: not really. Well, it's a hell of an argument, isn't it? Like yeah. you know, you're, you know, step right up, suckers, and give me your money. And yeah, if you want to, or go support the other baseball team in Cincinnati, right? Like that's that's essentially the attitude and. I I like one I think one thing that's absolutely true is that if you make sports fans cynical. Mm. Right, if you kind of if you kind of pull back the curtain and they see the guy pulling the levers um it like it, it's the spell is broken. And you say, Hang on a second, this is this is a this is a nasty money-making enterprise where the guy running it doesn't really care. Um, all he wants is my money." And you know, how do you give your heart over to something if because that's that's what you're supposed to do as a fan?
1: And I think that, that there's a lot of that going on in Oakland. They raised ticket prices this year in the same off season, they let Olson, Chapman, Sean Manaya and others go. Like they 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 yep. knew they were tearing it down to a significant extent. They know the building's a dump. There's feral cats taking over the Coliseum. Cats love it there. And and I, that's the one thing. And I kind of think yeah. the end game might be, hey, let's make it hard for our fans to love this and whoops, we'll end up in Vegas and the franchise is worth an extra billion dollars. Like that might be the long game here. No,
2: it may be not even that long, a long game. Yeah. It's, I, but, but I'm not sure, you know, it's, I guess I guess the question would be, do you have to destroy it to do that? Do you, you, know, you have to completely destroy the the team to do that? It, it would, you know, wouldn't the team have more value if it was competitive and um like, I uh, it, it's it's it, but look there yeah there there's an element of we're not going to be here much longer we just, no one's putting any money into this dump of a stadium we're not going to get a stadium built um, and if they or if they do build a you know they like here's the you know put the, put it right on the table like build us a stadium and you pay for it or you know not only we're going to leave we're going to you know we're going to make it miserable on the way up. Mm. so yeah I I think that's I think they're making that message pretty loud and clear.
0: So, what do you expect today? You mentioned you're going to the uh, the Lafleur Memorial. The uh, it, it's I don't know if there's is there are there other sporting teams that do the lie lying in state like the the Habs do, and then have the response that the fans give to the team and to the player. It's uh, going to be a, another emotional day at the Bell Center.
2: Yeah, I'm not, and again, I'm not in Montreal. I'm working with Ron McLean here in Toronto on the broadcast. But yeah. Um... I guess the third one of these we've done, right? I, Cause I did the Rocket Richard funeral and the Bellavo funeral and, you know, and the Gordie Howe funeral as well. But that wasn't like, the difference is like if, if an athlete, a, a you know, a famous athlete dies uh, and there's any kind of a public memorial, it's going to be a big deal. Um, but there's nowhere, like where else on earth would they have a state funeral for a hockey player? Like that's the difference, right? It's, it's all of the other stuff that's tied into it. And I don't, you know, it's not, I'm not sure there'll be another one of these. Um, you know, maybe Patrick Waugh, whenever, you know, he leaves his mortal coil. But uh, like those, th- those three guys, you know, Richard, Bellevue, and Lafleur, Quebecois, superstar, uh, Stanley Cup winner, multiple Stanley Cup winners, you know, like you, you have to tick every one of those boxes for, for this to make sense. You know, for them to be treated like a statesman, and look, I don't think Alberta's doing that for anybody. I don't think Ontario's doing that for anybody. I don't think Canada's doing that for anybody. This, you know, this is a particular convergence of culture and politics and the sport and its history and a whole bunch of Stanley Cups. Um, yeah, you know, it's yeah. That this is like this is this is like a prime minister or a or a pope. It's it's so it's along those lines and um i I guess what i'd say is you know if you're interested tune in today because i'm not sure i again i'm not sure we'll ever see another one of these
0: steven good to talk to you good to have you back we'll chat on friday
2: all right see you guys
0: steven brunt sportsnet the uh the flames and stars tonight it's an eight o'clock start it's game one we will get into last night's action tonight the stars and flames all of it with our nhl insider frank saravalli standing by he's next sportsnet 960 the fan You're listening to Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We have got Flames tickets to give away. Oh. That's right. Game one tonight. Secured tickets. Hmm listening this morning you'll be given the uh, the old cue. there's a code word you need to text it in at some point here this morning one of our uh, promotional people promotions will uh, scan the list of correct uh, correct answers and correct texts and one of you lucky devils will be off to the game tonight And we'll be contacted uh, shortly, I would say. Give you enough time. Because remember, you don't need to pick up tickets anymore. It's not one of the, oh, how do I get the tickets? We'll just, here you go. It's on your phone. You got an email. There it is. There it is. Wallet. Digital (laughs) wallet. (laughs) There it is. That's coming up. More NHL discussion right now with our NHL insider brought to you by South Trail Exports. Inventory shortages across the city. Now is the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthtrailExports.com. Our, uh, our NHL insider is Frank Saravalli, who i got to say, I, uh, I've, I've kind of been, uh, you know, I've been uh, creeping you a little bit on the old socials, dailyfaceoff.com, watching your Twitter and all that. You have been extremely busy. Are you getting 45 minutes, a couple hours sleep the last three nights? Uh, still probably more than you guys. Well, yeah, fair enough. See, that's nice of you to say. I appreciate uh, it. Mean, people don't appreciate uh, the effort and the time that we put in, but you've been all over it. Daily Face Off is crushing it right now. You've got all your, you got your writers, you got your, your broadcasters, everybody, you're pumping out a bunch right now. And that's the, this is what we wait for. It's the joy of, uh, of round number one. So good work out there, buddy.
3: Uh, thanks. Happy
1: playoffs. Uh game day. Finally,
3: where's this been? It feels like we've been waiting forever for this.
1: Yeah, Flames fans for sure. There's they've been a uh, 99 or 100% probability to win the division for ages and it felt like okay, let's just get to the games mattering, not uh, going through the motions. And here we are. Now, the last time it's this because happened
3: cuz the Oilers were saying that until after last night's game. Yeah, we'll uh we'll get to that,
0: I guess, here in a moment if we I mean if we have to talk about that. But the last time this happened was 18-19, Flames won you know they won the conference they were cruising going in we talked to brad for on the show yesterday and he's we, we sat some guys down the stretch we gave guys some rest and then uh, it didn't really work out for us they tried to get the goaltender in Markstrom as much rest as possible but I, I wonder is there any way that you learn from something like that it's two different teams it's a couple of different years apart all of that sort of thing i wonder how different it could be this time around for the flames based on playing guys right to the finish
3: it just feels totally different, doesn't it? Even if the path was maybe a slightly different or the route, the route chosen to, to get to game one in terms of rest and rust. But I just, you know, I've gotten so many questions the last few days, you know, how's Johnny Gaudreau going to react? What's this going to be like? What happens if he doesn't produce in the playoffs? What happens if the flames flame out and I mean, it'd be easy to look back and think, okay, there's some of the core pieces here that have been here a long time since 2015, when that first, you know, sort of playoff run began with this core. And you're thinking, okay, you know, maybe this, um, you know, you have some of those feelings that are tucked in the back of your mind. And instead, I, I personally, obviously, I'm not in your market, I'm not in it every day, but just watching from afar, a 30,000-foot view, it, it this doesn't feel like close to the same team, the same core. It feels so much stronger. It feels like Johnny Gaudreau is way more properly supported. It feels like that line can go up against any line in the league, and it just feels like they're way better positioned now. And it also feels like they're a bit mentally stronger as well. You know, you think about what this team went through – not playing for large stretches while they were sort of battling COVID and, you know, all the different sort of obstacles along the way, even sort of feeling out the beginning of the season under Daryl Sutter again and, and trying to make sure that they understand exactly what he wants. I just think, you know, part of the feel that emanates from the Flames heading into game one is has a lot to do with the coach and how he comports himself and how, you know, the message, it just feels totally different. So I don't know, you know, perhaps some of the guys in there are thinking or, or have some experience that necessarily wasn't positive, but I don't get the sense at all that that's sort of the MO of this team heading into it. Yeah, and you
1: know what's weird is that I, I I echo a lot of what you'd say. I think this is a well, a way better built team. You mentioned Daryl. There's mm-hmm. Daryl's common henchmen that he's won with before that are on the roster. And to your point, it's probably a group that, that feels like they do need to prove something. But we also thought they'd roll Colorado in eighteen nineteen. Nobody said, look out, it's too much too soon for this group. So there is that sort of nagging reminder in the backs of fans' heads, I think.
3: Maybe, but... Maybe at the time, if hindsight is twenty twenty, we were maybe underestimating how good that Colorado team and core actually is. It's all mostly the same foundational pieces that have made up this team that ran away with the West this year.
0: And the other point I think that you made in there was, for Goudreau specifically, how much better supported he is. Matthew Kachuk was not on that line. Elias Lindholm was not on that line. Lindholm didn't play particularly well. The three have come together, and I if we've learned anything this year and it sounds like a shot, it can't not sh- sound like a shot to Sean Monaghan, but Johnny Gaudreau has been a different player playing with a different centerman and a different set of line mates. So I think that maybe the end result is the same, but it uh, it won't be because he is uh, doesn't have better support around him.
3: I truly have a hard time believing that the end result will be the same. For all the reasons we just talked about, I just think there's so much more properly supported Yeah all the way through the lineup you know they they have a defense core that works like how many people have talked about rasmus anderson having a 50-point season this year around the league you know shillington has been great you look at how stout zadarov and goodbranson have been and how you know really i i it's credit to the players but i i think more so to the coach mm-hmm. who you know specifically worked with zadarov and worked with goodbranson to have them positioned exactly the way he wants them, the trust factors there. Markstrom's been great, like i just I don't see any of what happened previously coming to pass with this flames team yeah I, I, I mean obviously, I could be wrong. we could all be wrong, yeah. but it just doesn't feel remotely the same.
1: And it would be everyone being wrong. All I've seen for predictions is flames. It's a little eerie how one-sided the predictions are given the history of this tournament and that there's always some weird things that happen. What's at stake for Dallas here? That that top line's been sensational. They re up Pavelski in a one-year deal, but it does kind of feel like a team in transition in a lot of ways.
3: Yeah, it does. Um, and I, the transition on the ice has been clear. I mean we don't really spend a lot of time talking about Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan anymore. Their contracts are there. They're significant, but the torch has been passed and it was passed a while ago to, to Robertson and Rupa Hintz and, uh, and Pavelski with that top line. And I think as good as they've been, that's also really the downfall of the stars and, and why I don't see them being competitive. You know, one is they're very top heavy. That top line produces such Uh, a large percentage of their offense, and there's a real drop-off. Like, I don't know that you can say the Stars are a two-line team. I know you definitely can say that they're not a three-line team. And their defense is mobile. Ottinger's been fine in net, but up front, I think they get really thin in a hurry, and I think that's a big issue for them. And the other part of it, too, is we just talked a bit about what the Flames psyche might be like heading into game one. The Stars, to me, maybe they can turn the page. They look, at least the last few weeks of the season, absolutely emotionally spent. I talked to some coaches around the league over the weekend just prepping for the playoffs, and they were a few of them remarked specifically unprompted about how Dallas just seems spent. They, they have nothing left in the tank. They're running on fumes. And part of it is the position that they put themselves in throughout the season. They had to really grind – to get from out of that muck towards the bottom of the conference into a wild card spot. And then when they got there, I don't know if they took their foot off the gas, if it was emblematic of really the way that they played the other night against Arizona when they blew the lead, but they certainly, you know, began to tread water a bit and it came back to bite them to the point where they had to turn it back on again towards the last, you know, five, 10 games of the season to make sure that they got the job done. And so what's on the line for the stars, what's at stake, you know, the answer is a lot because it's not just Rick bonus. And, you know, I think everyone believes at this point that, you know, signs point towards him stepping back and retiring after the season. But, you know, I think there's been lots of question marks and rumblings about, you know, what happens with Jim Nell moving forward? You know, how patient is their owner and Tom Gillardi going to be moving forward? From last night, when, when you do what we do,
0: which is pushing out content every day, hours and reams and reams of content based on one game, we can't help but overreact. And it only gets worse the further you get in a series when it's a, a 3-2 lead or a, a 2-1, it, very definitive statements start coming out. So granted, one night. But of the four games and the situations that we saw last night, is there one that stands out where particularly you're thinking that might be trouble even though it's only a uh, one nothing series deficit?
3: Yeah, I, I certainly wonder about the Edmonton Oilers, and I, I figured we'd get there at some point. But losing on home ice, game one in a series in which you were heavily favored, my big question mark, and you can go back and look at the, the tape, you can listen to my podcast yesterday with Jason Greger, and I said – my concern with the Oilers, if you look at their playoff exits the last number of years, they found a way to beat themselves. And he said, "Oh no, that 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 won't happen this year." They haven't done that under Jay Woodcroft. And I said, "Until I see it and believe it, I don't believe it," because that's that's what they've done consistently over a really long period of time. Last night it was Mark's Mike Smith. Excuse me with that horrendous giveaway. I still, you know, I've watched that play a hundred times and I don't understand his thought process, you know, at any point, when you look at the defenseman that was open uh, you know, it's easy to say from my vantage point on my couch, but I mean, I could, when I saw him do it, it was like, I was coaching eight U hockey again, not up the middle. Like you, you, you never throw it up the middle. I I just, I couldn't believe that that was his decision-making process late in a tie game in the playoffs. Um, Before that, he wasn't particularly great either. He's lost six straight playoff starts, if I'm not mistaken, with a save percentage in the eights. Um, My concern is they got a mouthful of Philip Deneau last night. They didn't really seem to win the matchup battle. McDavid had a special moment, but they've got a lot of work to do. And if they somehow fall down two nothing, losing both games at home, going to LA, they're in big trouble.
1: Well, and you you alluded to it. They lose in the bubble against a bad Chicago team that shouldn't have been invited to that tournament. That sold at the deadline in four games, so they're one and three there. Then they get swept by the Jets. Now they lose this one. That's one and eight. That like the, you can tell me that this is good and that's fixed. If it's not in the postseason, it doesn't matter. Right, this, it's, this is now scorecard time on this organization, the GM, the stars. You, got, you need playoff success. You can't win one round with two superstars in the prime.
3: 100%. Not in year seven of the Connor McDavid experience. Um, and, I, you know, there's another factor that I don't think enough people have talked about heading into this series, or at least I haven't heard it or seen it. Todd McClellan has been there and seen the unraveling himself. Now he gets to orchestrate it from the opposition bench. He knows pretty much how those stars tick, what makes them work, how to get to them. That's a pretty significant advantage for someone that knows that team like the back of his hand and basically helped Jay Woodcroft come up through the ranks, was with him in Detroit, had him as his assistant in L.A. He knows how he thinks. That's a pretty big tactical advantage, if you ask me, that I I just haven't seen people mention I know on uh,
0: Daily Face Off, you uh, uh, you have the Minnesota Wild, if I'm not mistaken, as your uh, your cup pick. Is that are you are you at all? You uh, go there, huh? Uh, no, you are did. you at all worried after uh, the the performance last night? Well, they lose four nothing at home
1: on the heels of him taking the Jets in the preseason, right? I yeah. mean, you, you're going to uh, put your curse on the Wild, Frank.
3: Come on. See, <laughs> this is the thing. You know, you look at my bracket, and it's feast or famine, like. I knew picking the wild where in some ways this this series, some people viewed it as a coin flip, 53, 47, whatever it is, it's super close. And I liked the wild to get through, and I thought if they could get through that they, they can go on a deep run. They have the tools. Obviously one game, uh, but I am mildly concerned. Um, not about my bracket. You can tear it up and throw it out. I don't yeah, care yeah, about yeah. that. I'm mildly concerned for the wild because I think there were question marks heading in. Do you go with Talbot? Do you go with flurry? Uh, Lots of juicy rebounds. Um, His former teammate and David Perron feasted on them. I'm not sure that I've seen, I saw Mike McKenna say this, I'm not sure I've seen a player score three goals that are almost identical, Um, you know, almost from the same spot. So he took advantage and they didn't score. You know they didn't have sort of all of their mojo going up front. They tried to get in the mix, and I think it was a, probably a good reminder for me and everyone else how St. Louis can also play that heavy hockey. They they want a Stanley Cup doing it. They've got some big boys that can that can go, and and they were in a spot last night. 18 minor penalties between the two teams, and you know I'd, I'd love to see refs continue to call the the. Playoffs and penalties this way consistently. I'm just not certain that'll be the case.
0: Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. We were making our picks, and that is the Blues have nine twenty goal scorers from the regular season. That's impressive depth, and mm-hmm. and they really do. They they can play it. If I, I don't view them as a necessarily a, a quick team, they're not. I don't think they're going to burn you, but they can probably. They're they're going to be able to beat you a few different ways. I'm I'm a little bit surprised. That, as we, we had said, that they maybe don't go Talbot. Mm-hmm. And then if there's a bit of a wobble there, hey, no worries. We've got the Hall of Famer in flurry. He's going to come in and just settle things down. Now I, it doesn't feel as settling to me going to Talbot, but that's just me.
3: So there's some really interesting decisions in a few games. So do the Wild go to Talbot? Does Boston go to Swayman? And is it too early mm-hmm. to have the Mike Smith or ask the Mike Smith question? Yeah.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, and that series had it, right? Like, if St. Louis loses lopsided, it's, hey, do they go to Bennington? Like, that was always a wrinkle built into this series. I like it. It's it's another really interesting narrative.
3: I think you'd have to cut a few layers pretty deep to get Billy Huso out of the net. I think Craig Berube has a serious trust factor with him. I think he has some concerns about Jordan Bennington and, you know, the lack of consistency that's been there um i think it's huso's net to run with for a little while it's the who show oh there it is well done oh, see that's no, why
0: you're a writer. right
3: writer. You write that down sell <laughs> t-shirts
0: uh tampa bay got worked pretty good it was a physical affair kyle clifford set the tone early albeit illegally uh but the the leafs flexed on home ice i i if there's a team that should be able to come back and knows how to do it it would be tampa bay what did you make of the leaf effort
3: Man, I can't believe that we made it 17 minutes and we're now just talking about the center of the hockey league. Well,
0: so, people hate them here, so I pushed kind of it. impressive. Is, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to lie. Yeah, we yeah. do. In the Leafs or us? I mean, either way, it's both impressive performances. Yeah, yeah.
3: I would say both, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, for the Leafs, speaking of impressive, there were a lot of impressive facets. Um, you could talk about Mitch Marner ending his playoff drought at 18 games. You could talk about their penalty kill and killing off that five-minute major and how it sort of felt like, I would imagine, if you were in that building last night, a five-minute major in the first 10 minutes of the game and you're going, really? This is how we're going to start this again? Yeah. They kill it off and they use it as momentum. The Keefe timeout, when it was one nothing with the five-on-three to keep the first unit out there in the second period, was a brilliant Brilliant uh, call. And then what really impressed me the most, though, was how the Lightning were on their heels almost the whole game. And John Cooper said after the game, and I, this kind of surprised me a little bit when he said, you know, I'm not sure that the Leafs had to play so well in order to beat us. And I kind of felt like that. I don't know if that was a dig. I know it was a dig at his own team, but it sort of felt like a backhanded compliment to the Leafs too. Like, eh, wasn't so much them, it was us. And I think that's sort of a discredit, a disservice to what Toronto did last night. You know, all things considered. And the truth will be in how they close out this series, we know they have no problem getting out to a lead in a series. We've seen that. So let's hold our breath before we really, you know, go down this path of, of celebrating and trumpeting the leaps. But For one game to start a series against the two-time defending champs, by the way, if you want to make fun of my bracket, I did pick the Leafs, because at some point, the two-time defending champs are no longer going to be the champs. may not be this round, may not be this year, but at some point, that will end. The games that they've played will catch up to them. Their ability or inability to flip the switch will be a problem. And I just think, for whatever reason, this Lightning team – We've sort of been waiting for them to turn it on. Just isn't quite as good this year, or at least hasn't shown it consistently enough, as they were in years past. I don't know what the reason for that is, but it, it kind of feels like a good year to be the Leafs in this matchup, which a lot of people would have been surprised to say you know, a few weeks back.
0: The uh, obviously series continued tonight. Washington and Florida, Colorado and Nashville. Ah, uh, Panthers and Avs, to my math were both twenty-two points clear of their opponent Jeez. in the regular season. That's a fairly wide margin. Is there? Do you see any hope for an upset? Any, not hope? I get any chance of an upset? Can can the Caps or the Predators come up with something special?
3: Not for Nashville, um, just without Soros. And and I've done some digging, and it, he he is going to try and push to play at some point in the series. We know he's out for the first two. He's, he's trying hard. I don't know if he'll get there. It's extremely painful. I believe it to be a high ankle sprain, and those things normally just take time. Um, I, without Soros, I just don't have the confidence in, in big save Dave or, or Connor Ingram. Um, the Caps, I feel, have an opportunity or a window to at least make the Panthers think, because the Caps have been there before. They're not going to be rattled. They can play physical, and the question is, can they get the stops? Can they get the goaltending? Um, You know, Ovechkin and his health, I think, is a big question mark. How much of a factor will he be? Prior to sitting out, he was on one of those Ovechkin-like runs to close out the year, and they had played really well for a a while, sort of mid-March to mid-April, and then the wheels fell off in the last couple weeks of the season. And I'm wondering which Caps team we're going to see. Is it the one that started off the year on fire and played really good for six weeks or is it you know the team that we saw really from thanksgiving u.s thanksgiving to mid-march that was very average so if we get the average team it's going to be quick but if we get the other team it could be i think the they could give the panthers something to think about you know six games maybe potentially more
0: before I let you go, we uh, the, the comments that came out of Winnipeg, were you at all shocked? Mark Shifley, I got to talk to my agents. I got to see what's best for me. And then uh, Stastny. Shumper
1: extension. Coach is gone. Yeah,
0: and then Stastny coming out with the, you know, if you don't respect, you don't care for the player sitting next to you, it's too individual. What do you make of what came out of the locker room on cleanout day?
3: Not surprised at all. I raised the question in January, I think. And oh. it was... I'd ask then: Is has Mark Scheifele or will he be playing his last games as a Winnipeg Jet? I think there's been a lot of strife there. I think there is the thought process or theory that Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler are sort of on an island, are their own group, and I don't know what the reason for that is. I won't speculate. I don't know why. But the only thing I've been told is just they've both been incredibly difficult to deal with. And I don't know if that's from a coaching perspective, a teammate perspective, what have you. Clearly there's some unhappiness on Mark Shifley's part. And I guess what we heard him say on Sunday was surprising only in the sense that it, it sort of made him seem like he was above the team. Like I need answers. I'm in the prime of my career Um, this is, you know, I need to do what's best for me kind of thing. And it's like, well, you're a big part of the reason why this team is where it is. Yeah. There's questions and comments and concerns about, you know, some of what they've built. I happen to really like it on paper heading into the season. Obviously there's something missing there. There's something broken there. I don't know that Dave Lowry can fix it. I don't know that, you know, the next coach will fix it. Paul Maurice couldn't do it. I, you know, I, I think that they're going to have some really difficult conversations and questions ahead to sort this out because I think deep down Kevin Chevaldeoff doesn't want to blow up this core would like to give it another run. But I think this, he may not have a choice really is the answer.
0: Frank is always good stuff, man. Good to catch up with you. Enjoy night number two. We'll chat in a week. Sounds good, guys. Have a good one. Thanks too. There's Frank Servelli, our NHL insider, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Four series tonight: the Rangers and Pittsburgh from Madison Square Garden. That goes at five. Florida and the Capitals at five thirty. The Avs and the Predators, 7.30, and then we go here in Calgary starting at 8.
1: Love it. Love it.
0: This hour brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop shop for the best plants, trees, pots, and decor, and the greenest grass. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. They got you covered. We'll come back, Hour 3, Adnan Virk and your texts with what you want to talk about. Sportsnet 960, the fan.